In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all the kids and teenagers up through the eighth grade, please come forward. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody? So, you good? Good, I'm glad to hear. Um, you think God is impressed by the size of something? Like, you're real little, but God's really more impressed with me because I'm bigger and older? You think God's more impressed with me than he is with you? Probably not, right? You know, a tiny diamond that people have on their fingers on rings is worth a whole lot more than a giant rock, right? But a giant rock can do things that a little bitty diamond can't do, right? And, and what about birds, you know? And the eagle, what does an eagle do? Can it sing pretty? No, it screeches. And a turkey goes what? Gobble, 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 gobble. And an ostrich does what? Nothing. But a tiny canary bird makes the most beautiful music. If you ever listen to birds, those are the tiny ones that are making all this wonderful music. So God's not impressed. Now, I'll tell you what, if, 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 if the canary and the eagle had a talent contest, the canary would win. But if they had a tug of war, the, 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 the eagle would win, right? If they had a tug of war, because the eagle's bigger and stronger and more majestic than a, than a canary. I think what I want you to know today is that God gives each of us, no matter what size, whether we're old or young or tall or short, God gives each one of us unique gifts and talents. Every one of us has something unique about us, and God wants to develop what is in you that he's given you so that what? So that you can be glorified. Look at me. Ha <laughs> ha. Look what I've got. Superpowers. No, uh -uh. God gives us these gifts so that he can be glorified because he is the superpower, not us. But he uses us and he gives each of us these wonderful gifts. Like you've got things that I don't have. You've got things that I don't have. I have things that you don't have. I mean, we're all, we're all different. But God loves us each the same, no matter how big, how, how smart, how not smart, how small, how loud, whatever it might be. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for young'uns to just not be quiet, isn't it? Hey, Jeremy. Jeremy. Hi. So anyway, be mindful. God loves you. God has given you something, and he wants to build it up so that he can be glorified through his church because you're a part of his church. Okay? Remember that. Yeah, okay, go get a packet from Mr. Doremus over there if you want to color and, 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 and listen to Deacon John. Thank you, sir. Good job. <laughs> you can get a packet right over here if you want to. No, you want to? No. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts 
Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So as I was finishing up teaching a class yesterday, not having finished writing my sermon yet, uh, one, of, one of my students uh, reminded me that it would all be okay, that the message was going to be that God wants a people whose hearts are wholly devoted to him. And so that is my message for today. God wants a people, and God has called a people, and he has called you to be his people, and he has given you unique gifts, each of us different, that we might fulfill our task in the kingdom of God. But let me remind you that he created a chosen people in Israel. And he called them out of Mesopotamia and he called them to see the land. And he called them into slavery in Egypt. And then he divided the seas and he led them out into the wilderness into a place where no life existed, into the pits, into the darkness, and yet they lived. And they lived because God provided. God provided manna. God provided living water that they might become one, that they might be transformed by their experiences in the desert, that they might become one. He was preparing them to enter into the land. But when Joshua led them into the land of milk and honey, into the all that they had desired, when God gave them all that they had dreamed of, they abandoned him. And that story is a warning to all of us who follow Jesus to remember that when God blesses us with, with great and mighty things, that that's the time when we are most likely to take our eyes off of him. So Jeremiah the prophet is explaining to his people, to the tribe of Judah, what has happened since Joshua led the people into the land. And here's what happened. The priests did not turn to God and ask for direction. The people did not want to be ruled by God through the voice of the judges. They demanded kings. They wanted something better than God had promised. They wanted to control their own lives. And the kings, the kings knew God's promises, but they did not settle for taking the land that God gave them and trusting in God to protect them. No, Solomon chose to marry into each and every one of 
hundreds of different tribes to form alliances to forge his own future and his own safety on his own terms. Here's the problem. God wants a people whose hearts are wholly devoted to him. But we become distracted by the things of the world. Our hearts become divided. And so the priest's minds were divided. And they didn't turn to God first. And the government's mind was divided and it didn't turn to God first. And the people's hearts were divided and, and they wanted the women they were supposed to not have. And the, they wanted the sheep and the goats of the Canaanites which were forbidden. And so they kept those things that were worthless. And in so doing, divided their hearts between God and the world. And this is the warning to us, is it not? How do we keep a nation united? How do we keep from having division if we take our eyes off of God? How can the church serve its people? How can the church glorify God if its leaders cannot keep their focus on God? How even can you and I, called to a life of exception, given gifts, given duties in the kingdom of God to fulfill, fulfill those duties, if the things of the world distract us, if they call us away from God, if they supplant the church and its kingdom from first place in their hearts. And so here we see Jeremiah saying to the people of Judah, See what happened to the ten tribes of Israel. Because the Assyrians came and wiped them off the earth. Because their hearts were hardened. And yet even with that example, even with that warning, the people of Judah turned to other gods. They turned to Baal. They sought a land of fertility from prayers to gods that don't even exist. And Jeremiah's warnings fell on deaf ears. The people were blinded by their focus on the world. And they gave up a life with God. God, the creator, God, the author of life, God, who is the one who gives us all good things. And somehow they imagined a life in which their own actions could improve upon that. And their own actions turned out to be cisterns that were cracked, that were broken that would not hold living water. So understand, if we think of um, 
the Samaritan woman at the well, John chapter 4. And we picture Jesus saying to her, I am living water. If you drink of me, you will never be thirsty. If we think of the book of Revelations, we think uh, of the throne of God. God the Father with Jesus seated at his right hand with a river flowing from them through the midst of heaven filled with living water. And what is the purpose of that water? The purpose of that water is to fill up your life, my life, our life in the kingdom. And it's not meant to just be filled up to sustain us in the desert. It's meant to be filled up to overflowing. Our life, open, open wide your mouth and let the Lord fill you to overflowing. Because when the love of God is overflowing, then the words that we read in Hebrews will come true. We will show hospitality to strangers. We will remember those in prisons. We will honor marriage. We will keep our lives free from the love of money and from the love of worldly things that distract us from God. Remember your leaders. Imitate Christ. Follow the narrow path that leads to the narrow gate into the kingdom of heaven. So let me finish with these words. Jesus says to us, seek and ye shall find. And the seeking requires on the narrow and winding path that we keep our focus on Jesus. Ask and it shall be given to you. Those things that are necessary for life in the kingdom. Those things that bring you back to the path when you wander away or that encourage you when you fall and need to get up again. And when you arrive at the door having followed Jesus for a lifetime and knock, Jesus with a smile will open that door and welcome you in. God wants a people whose hearts and minds and souls and strength, all that we have are committed to him. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I know self-reflection would say to you, well, maybe not, but it does to me as I look in the mirror, I have fallen short. God doesn't have it all. I have more left to give. And so I come to the altar rail and I offer to Jesus more of myself. And I ask him with my mouth open wide, fill me up with your spirit. Use me in your kingdom. Give me a heart that's wholly devoted to you. Because the source of that gift, the heart that's fully committed, is not from our efforts. It is from the existence of the Holy Spirit in us. So we give praise. And so we give thanks 
to a God that provides us all good things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.